This week we are joined by Laura Reedy from Los Angeles, California. Originally from South Florida, Laura got her start in the industry as a hostess, eventually moved on to serving and found her true calling behind the bar. We talk with Laura about her experiences working in chain and independent restaurants, what drove her to move to California, serving a celebrity clientele, and of course her love of whiskey. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. This is Dan. What's happening, Dan? Hey, man. I'm still awesome, so <laughs> no change there at all. One week to the next. No, it's just uh, it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> sure uh, is. Just wake up awesome every day. <laughs> That's right. Birds are singing, sun shining. And I just wake up in like a mad panic every day because I own a bar in yeah. Japan. <laughs> so it's a very different experience. Yeah, for sure. that's true. Uh, uh, um, yeah, so big news. We are moving back to Red Zone. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, here in Kitchener, which means that I have the delight of opening my bar for less rent relief to serve 10 people until 9 p.m. Yes, and regardless of what size you are, it's only 10 people. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just like everything our government's doing to quote-unquote help us out. I wish we had the video so you could see my air quotes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a disaster, so we don't need to talk too much more about it. Well, we have a great guest, as always. Laura Reedy is joining us from Hollywood, California today. We're going to bring her in a second. Before we get there... I should mention that if you're enjoying what you're hearing on the Industry Podcast, the best way you can help us out is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. Just a very simple step. You just punch that subscribe button. takes a second. takes a second. should do it. Um, a big shout-out to at Zach Hanna Design. Our man Zach Hanna does all the beautiful artwork for us. And we should also mention Aaron Hatchell, who has helped us out a lot with... Um, booking guests on the show as well. If you'd like to be a guest on the show and you're in the service industry, you should just DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram and uh, we'll hook you up. Okay, so without uh, further ado, let's bring in Laura Reedy. Laura, how are you doing? Doing really well. How are you guys? Oh, doing well. Doing well. Uh, I call it COVID good. Yeah. I'm doing COVID good. <laughs> um, the bar for fine has, uh, has been oh, really, so I think, low right year. now. It's like there's, there's no way to limbo it, that's for sure. No, no. Uh, Six so, feet underground. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk, well, tell us what's going on in Hollywood with regards to COVID. What's the situation there? Are places open? Is there outdoor dining? What's happening? Places are, are now open uh, for outdoor dining, but um, Hollywood's a little tricky. They're like, yeah, you can extend on the street. I'm like, not really, um, unless you want to be in the middle of traffic. Right, um, right. <laughs> so we are lucky enough at, uh, at the restaurant that I bar manage at, at APL, to have a zoned patio, which is a mm. nice way of saying that it's like kind of semi-enclosed but not totally and according to the city it's fine so because it's zoned for patios so we've got about eight tables out there you're right. saying that you guys are opening for like 10 people and that's that's kind of how we're feeling yeah it's just so hard to make a living like <laughs> yeah we're mm -hmm. technically in what is called red zone here in ontario we are allowed 10 people maximum at any time in the establishment and of course it's like you know, we're in the middle of February in Canada. It's not, the weather's not good. So there's definitely no outdoor dining, but the, yeah, I mean, opening up for 10 people is, is, is borderline a waste of time. Yeah. I was like, I've had been bigger dinner parties at my house. Right. Last year. Like, you can't fucking do that anymore either. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, uh, at least everybody's safe and well. Let's look at it that way, right? Yeah, we're doing doing okay. <laughs> so, so, like I said, COVID good. Um, so, you started your career off in South Florida. Is yes. that accurate? Like, where specifically? Yeah. So, I grew up in um, a place called Lantana. Um, there's a movie. I don't believe it's actually about our city, uh, <laughs> but there is a movie about it. Um, and I. No one is familiar with South Florida unless it's like Miami or Orlando. Like those are the two big uh, points of, of contact. So mm. I am about an hour and a half north of Miami. Okay. <laughs> about two and a half hours south of Orlando. Um, right. Close enough to uh, West Palm Beach. Okay. So, yeah. And <laughs> that's five, where you five start. Five minutes from the beach. Not a, not a bad place to grow up. No, that's not bad. 
Um, mm-hmm. So you and your first job there was hostessing at a, I'm assuming at a restaurant. Was that like more like a yeah. chain type spot or? Yeah, I was at a, a chain spot hosting at like 16 because babysitting and organizing my mom's files in a real estate office wasn't wasn't really <laughs> working out for me uh, to like save up to buy a car and do all those teenage things. So um, yeah, so I got a hosting gig at a spot called Carabas, which is under like the Outback Steakhouse and uh, that okay. kind of umbrella of mm-hmm. chain restaurant. So, and, uh, a yeah. lot, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. But no, a lot of uh, a lot of our um, guests have done have started out that way. I found, especially people who ended up at the front of the house, um, and a, a lot of them did find that a like hostessing at a chain restaurant or hosting at a chain restaurant is kind of a good introduction because it teaches you a lot of things that stick with you for a long time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, it's a nice introduction to hospitality, and if you can handle hungry people, yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, everyone's excited to see their server because they're like, oh, food's going to be here soon. But if you're, you're, you know, the front person at the door being like, I've been waiting for two hours. I'm like, no, lady, you've been here for 45 <laughs> minutes. Calm down. Um, <laughs> and if you've been waiting for two hours to get into like an Outback Steakhouse, you need to re-examine your own life. <laughs> re- reevaluate a few things and maybe head over to a grocery store. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was a nice and also a nice way to deal and kind of see if you want to continue your uh, that kind of a trajectory dealing with all of the personalities that go that go into hospitality. So mm-hmm. because the host is all constantly walking around the restaurant or or, you know, I would often take the silverware rolling duties to just stay in the back of the house and listen to all of the servers talk shit. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to move up to this because this is what I would like to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So eventually that is what you do. You, you start serving. Is that at the same spot or? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was hosting and then kind of taking, doing the, which is so weird. Most hosts, especially at like chain restaurants, you have to take the entire menu test, the same thing that the servers do. And you're like, I don't really need to know if someone's allergic to garlic with a can or can't eat. I'm, you know, I'm asking smoking or non, and that's about right. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That shows you how old I am. Um, <laughs> I, I remember it. <laughs> that makes you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I did that and worked at the takeout counter, which was right next to the host stand, just answering phones and running food out to cars and then eventually moved, moved up. I'm a fairly weird um, person in the hospitality industry. I like to stay at a place and like get to know everything I can before I move on. Um, so I was with that restaurant for about three years um, and then went to like another one. And then finally, probably five or six years into my hospitality journey, finally like found a home at a, an independent place and was like shocked at, at the difference. <laughs> okay, that's good. Because I, I want to talk a little bit about a what some of those differences are, but also um, what you felt you gained knowledge wise from working at like a chain spot, because I do think that there's a lot of value to working at some of those places as much as we all kind of sort of look down on them. But they're yeah. entry level positions, right? So yeah, they definitely are. And they give you a lot of the basics, um, especially just steps of service wise, like you know, I had to take tests on how long before you greet a table and, you know, make sure that you're back between two after two bites or within two minutes or whatever that, you know, whatever that is. And I think I think working in a chain restaurant, especially because they're usually smaller sections and you're usually um, able to interact with your tables a lot more and build kind of a rapport uh, that that helps with that kind of an intimacy setting it helps you know how to do that much faster on a larger scale so like when I moved over to an independent restaurant I was working on Palm Beach Island and I was like they're like you have this back section I was like oh okay yeah Yeah, no I can totally handle 10 to this is gonna be great I'm gonna be so good at this Mm." (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's funny I never worked at um at a chain restaurant. So I kind of got thrown right into like the large sections at independent restaurants right away. And so it's just all I ever really knew. But I can imagine it would be just like a huge eye opener going from 
like small, tight, like three, four tables to all of a sudden you got 10 to 12. Yeah. Now you have a whole half of, you know, the back patio or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, I mean, particularly at that, that spot, it's no longer there on, on the Island, but, um, at that spot we had a retractable roof. And so we had, uh, bands playing as well. So it was a whole mix of a, you're, I was dealing with people that work on Palm Beach Island, which are, um, a certain breed of, Healing. White. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Just, I, yeah, like I don't know how else to describe it. Um, they're only uh, no, there that was perfect. That's actually what your episode is going to be called now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, and you know, I I am a white lady, but good guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, they're in that. That that spot, I was there for probably like, I don't know. That was probably one of the shortest places I've ever worked. Was like six months, basically just for like the season of snowbirds to come down and spend their time and spend their money and run, you know, run the servers around and then leave again. So, um, which was but, fine and got to like, save up a bunch. But <laughs> did, yeah, did you hate it or or did you just leave because you I, just knew you, like one season was enough? Yeah, I didn't hate it. I was, I eventually was like, I, I have to leave Florida um, for my sanity. Yeah. Um, and it was, like I said, it was a great place to grow up right next to the beach. Um, but yeah, I, I probably would have done and stayed there a little bit longer had I not been planning to move to moving to California. But it was just a, such a breed of entitlement that like the complaint, the level of complaint, which is so funny. Like you go you, working at a chain restaurant, like the level of complaint is like, oh, my steak is, isn't cooked the way I want it to be or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And like I had a, an old Jewish woman li- li- literally make me cry because I didn't get her butter fast enough, like yeah. for a brunch service. And I was like, uh... I'm standing next to you. You can see that I can't move and you're just screaming at me. <laughs> because oh, fuck, yeah. I was like, I have six other tables, lady. Like I, and I have no help. There's no, there's no bus boys. Like we did everything. So. Yeah. That's been yeah. like a, that's a huge thing with guests in general. And I'm sure like, and obviously certain restaurants breed certain types of guests, but like yeah. almost across the board, you're going to get these guests who don't seem to understand that they're not the only people in the restaurant. Yeah, I was standing behind her by like, a f- I can still, it's one of those things of like, you see those memes of like, oh, well, if you haven't cried in a walk-in, you haven't been in the industry long enough kind of a thing. And, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I know, I remember that moment very, very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I've also, I also feel like you're, you know, uh, as far as walk-ins go, you also haven't um, been in the industry unless you've just gone in there to like cool the fuck down. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Just out there sweating profusely on a patio in the middle of the summer, even here in Canada. And it's yeah. just like, okay, I am gross and I'm going to your table right now. I need to take a little time out in the walk-in. God love the I, walk-in. God, oh yeah. It's a very yeah. underrated place in the service <laughs> industry. <laughs> I used to with like with everyone taking smoke breaks, and I I learned this um when I was a host. I think mostly because once I realized I wasn't going to get fired because they needed me, I was like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone, everyone else around me would take these breaks out over this eight hour shift or whatever. Um, they're like, oh, I'm going to go take a cigarette. And I was like, that's your third cigarette of this shift. And I've been standing here dealing. I was like, I'm going to go take a clean air break. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't smoke, but I'm leaving this spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. That was one thing because I've never smoked either. And I grew up in the industry, like, and back when you could still smoke in bars and restaurants as well. But, like, how that's an underrated aspect of the industry that people don't really talk about. If you are not a smoker, you literally don't get breaks. Mm-hmm. But if you're a smoker, you will always have at least a break because no one can say you can't go smoke. Yeah. And and everyone's like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, no, I'll totally cover your 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 tables and make sure whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think I only had like a, a year or so of mandatory breaks in California. And even then, nine times out of ten, I was like, I already signed the waiver at the beginning of the shift. I'm not... I don't trust anybody to actually watch my table. Yeah, that's the thing too, right? Like it's, yeah, you're not, 
Well, you, you don't want to, and you, you don't have time. Like, you, yeah. you just don't have time. Like, unless you smoke, then you always seem to have time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what what made you decide, like, what, uh, you say you were saying you were already, you want to get her to Florida. Why did you specifically decide to go to California? I mean, I think a lot of people decide to go to California, so maybe that's a stupid question, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I, growing up in Florida, I didn't deal with seasons, um, so we visited them briefly and uh snow is cold turns out um <laughs> Fuck, tell me about it <laughs> yeah it's like i'm sure you guys know um and yeah i just didn't i didn't when i was looking at colleges to go to and and to get the hell out i was like i had a lot of i have a lot of family in new york and the city and it seemed a little too i still like scenery and and green things like trees mm-hmm. um and that seemed a little too claustrophobic for me so uh, i decided to move to one of the most sprawling cities out here in <laughs> los <Yeah>. angeles yeah <laughs> yeah um so that is it, it, it had talked to me a little bit about so you uh, well first of all let's talk about the first place you end up working when you get out there but mm-hmm. um talk to me about the difference like just uh, the eye-opening difference between like just Florida and California, for instance, in the type of people that you're serving. Um, yeah. And then just essentially, essentially like just the different vibe between like being in South Florida and in and Hollywood, then, uh, like, yeah, it, like, it must be crazy different. When I first, well, I'm, when I first moved to California, I lived in Orange County for about a year. Oh, okay. Um, that sounds a little more was, Florida. It was very, it was very, very close to Florida, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is why I've lasted about a year. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> closer to Los Angeles. But my, the college I went to is Cal State Fullerton. It was right there. And so I lived, okay. you know, next to campus and made it easy because I moved out here without a car. Learned very, very quickly that that is not really an option no. um, because everything is far away. So, um, yeah, so I... Orange County is much, much closer to Florida. And I realized that that still wasn't for me, but I enjoyed being in my classes. So I moved, I ended up moving to Hollywood um, and driving down two days a week. I just scheduled all of my classes back to back to back on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then that left the rest of the, um, what rest of my time to, ended up working at a coffee shop down on Melrose for a while and uh, a couple different places before I actually went back to Outback Steakhouse because it was the easiest thing to get a job at. Yeah. Weird. Los Angeles uh, positions with servers were, and nobody apparently wanted to trust me bartending, um, even though I had experience. Yeah. But uh, Los Angeles and servers are their actors' jobs, which I am one, oh. but I didn't realize how competitive it was. <laughs> it's not, yeah, so that's a really a thing, right? Like every it's, single yeah. person who serves you when you're in Hollywood, it's. They're like a musician, an actor, something, something, Ah. stand-up comedian, some sort of whatever. Yeah. Um, Which is, it is a running joke, but it is very, very true. (laughs) Hmm. That's interesting. So, okay. So like, talk to me a little bit about that vibe then working with like a whole bunch of other actors, comedians, musicians, like that's a very different experience than the general people you get who end up being sort of lifer server, lifer industry people who know that's what they're going to do. Yeah, it's it's why I feel it's why I was saying earlier it's, I feel a little odd because I stayed at so many places for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, the like flaky actor stereotype is true for a reason. It's not true of everyone, but it is true for a reason because especially in that kind of hospitality world, you get this very odd turnover. Like somebody offends somebody's ego once and they're like well i quit um I'm like <laughs> that's, okay that's still happen- that happens everywhere in the service industry <laughs> <Yeah>. frankly <laughs> but i i get your point like probably more yeah. so there but also like because in their head they're like i'm not freaking i'm not going to be an actor anymore any or uh, a server yeah. anymore anyway i'm going to be an actor so yeah. why do I you just wait next place? pilot season i'm gonna <laughs> whatever um yeah. which is funny like um some of the <laughs> i had a friend actually that that uh, is doing really well for herself acting wise. And she was working at kind of a like local burger joint that was like a build your own burger and do this thing. And um, while also being on TV in a show. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cause she was like, well, she, she also came, she was from Florida as well, but like, she's like, look, this is steady money. And I don't know when that 
the, the other canceled. job's going to yeah. can't get canceled or, you know, my character's going to get written off for whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that reason is. Um, and she's like, I'm, you know, I'm still, it wasn't a whole lot. She was working like two, two days a week or something. And finally it was just like, <laughs> kept getting recognized. And she's like, oh, I guess, I guess I have enough in savings. I should probably stop. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but that's the thing, I guess, if people are coming in like, wait a second, didn't I yeah, see like, like, <laughs> CSI Miami last week? And yeah, yeah. yeah. And now you're putting together a burger for me. But that's, yeah, like that's one side of it. And then there are other people that have, have, you know, taken barely an acting class. I'm like, I'm I'm a serious actor. How dare you say that I can't, whatever. Um, and those, those are the ones that are usually like bail out at the first sign of. Right. Know, so even more transient, table. even more transient <laughs> yeah. than the regular industry, which is very transient to begin with. Yeah. But like I, I can imagine even more so like, they're like, fuck you. I'm going to be famous. What do I need to work at Outback, uh, Outback Steakhouse for? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There's, so is it just constant turnover? There's a lot of turnover. Like I said, like the people that are are actually working stay at one place because they they have the seniority um, mm. to be like, hey, I booked this movie with a person that's very famous and now I have to leave for a month. And they know that when that movie is done and that paycheck is cash, that they can come back and be like, I'm here until the next thing hits, until until there's this like next thing of like, oh, I don't actually need this anymore. So oh, wow. it seems it's it's funny to me that like the people that are really serious about acting and their craft and like take it seriously and it is a job also tend to treat their other job that way. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. And so talk to me as well about um, like the clientele you're serving, your guests. Like, what are they like? It varies um, from, I mean, place to place. Like when I was in Outback uh, for a while, it was very much like family vibe. You know, it's Outback it's crowds and Outback crowds. Yeah. 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 I was like, it's, you know, who who else is coming in for the Bloomin' Onion or the Cheese Fry? Like that's just, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's who you, whoever you're picturing right now is. Who. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, okay. What did you call it? A, a certain shade of white? Yes. Yeah, a certain shade of white. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that crowd didn't change from much from Florida to, to California. Right. Um, but... They're like working at the coffee house for a while. There were um, people that I I knew and watched growing up that were also kind of an LA thing. Where like they're going to bring their laptop and work on their script and order one latte and sit there for four hours, kind of right. a thing. Um, so, and, I don't know how people. I don't know how. I don't know how there's people own coffee shops. Like where's the money coming from? I honest I, I don't know honestly. Money, Other money, than uh, money laundering fronts. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're also aspiring actors. Yes. Yeah. Twelve thousand dollars. Beyond charging like eight bucks for a latte, like yeah. I don't. I'm not. But you sure. only get to sell one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Um, continue. Yeah, and I worked in uh, Pasadena for a while as well, and that was also a um, a nice shade of taupe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but it, and I, you know, I worked there cause I knew that the people that I've saw, I've been on Zillow or whatever. And I'm like, those are fucking ridiculous houses that are right. millions of dollars. So if they're coming into a restaurant, I think they're, they're going to be okay. Right. Um, and then from there, I actually now working in Hollywood, um, I'm, it, it's a little bit of the same and it's a little bit, um, there's definitely some some famous folks that come in and they're regulars and whatever. And it's kind of an interesting, interesting thing to, to, I don't know, I guess get used to of like, oh, nope, it's just still just a person, still just an actor. Like they just, you know, do you want to have do a better a paycheck. Tie, tie a little bit of name dropping right now? I, I can. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, do it. <laughs> um, well, it's not a big, I mean, none of these are big secrets, but like, um, so because the place I work at is also a celebrity chef owned. Um, oh, it is. Who's a big, chef? Yeah. Um, chef Adam Perry Lang. Okay. Oh, okay. Big barbecue dude. Um, and what's the name of the restaurant just for people? APL. Right. Um, and he's got a spot in Napa as well um, called Perry Lang's, I believe. Um, but 
so his, one of his major investors and partners was Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> so, so you're getting yeah. a fair amount of uh, A-list celebrities. Decent, yeah, and we're right down the street from his studio. Who's the most famous person you served? Um, I, I mean, a lot of, lot of TV folks. Um, I'd say Donald Glover. Oh wow! Everybody loves Donald Glover. Yeah, I, I think it would be hard to find a human being who doesn't love Donald Glover, unless yeah. maybe they live in South Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Does he come in? There, there are parts of the country down here, yeah. maybe not so much. <laughs> would, would he come in on his own with some friends, or like an entourage kind of style? No, it was with. Um, it was basically the whole cast of Community. Oh, oh wow. damn! I'm I'm just showing my family that they had never seen it before. Um, so we're just were you watching that show right now? That's yeah. great. Well, I assume it's excluding Chevy Chase because he's just such a racist dickhead. Yes, yes. Yeah. he was not. He was not there. <laughs> Amazing. And were they? Are, are there all these people cool or? Yeah. Um. It's it's nice. Like. I mean, we're set up that way to be able to to cater to that kind of a um, a particular audience. Like we have, like I said, our back patio space used to be our private private dining of like you can just book that out and and no one can bother you. It has a separate oh, entrance. Nice. Mm. Um, I mean, that is part of like being in Hollywood and having those kinds of connections. You kind of have to sort of think about that. Um, right. Chefs, Chef APL's office is also, it's all over Instagram as well. But um, we used to be able to rent that out and do private dinners down in the basement next to the uh, the environmental chamber with all of the dry aged meat. So which <laughs> gives an interesting view. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this will be you if you misbehave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really keen for the vegetarians. Like you yeah. want the you want the chair that's facing away, but <laughs> Uh, I just want to take a little time out to say, too, that, like, this is an amazing conversation. And you're obviously a very cool, humble person because you could have told me all of this in your bio and none of that came up. I didn't even realize (laughs) that this was a celebrity chef owned spot. Like, you you were just like, this is I'm the manager or like bar manager of this spot or whatever. This is what I do for it. I'm like, that was it. That's great. Um, So good for you, because I think you could have been doing a lot more name dropping. I uh, guess, I guess so, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's, it's, for you, though, it's probably something routine as well, though, right? For you to see people of celebrity come through, whereas for clown, yokels like us. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. It's, now it's more so reaction. than, yeah. Now, the, which is... The, the biggest celebrity one. I've served is this yeah. fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the local Crime Stoppers on the news three times a week, so that's where my celebrity comes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay. <laughs> I, got, I got used to serving a little bit of, of the celebrity stuff in Pasadena because there are a lot of people that like don't want to live in LA proper oh, that will gotcha. buy out there and whatever. Um, also, <laughs> some of the members of community, I was like, oh, you guys are here once a week. Hey, what's up? Um, <laughs> which is great. Cool. But um, I, I want to get yeah. back into talking about you, but I just want one more little <laughs> little bit, little nugget. Uh, oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the biggest dickhead you ever served? Oh, um, oh, that was the most famous and the most dickhead. I was like, probably. Mm, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of really terrible interactions with famous oh, people. That's good. I'm also generally the one bringing them the alcohol. So if they're really <laughs> dickhead, they, they need to rethink their life choices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not above cutting somebody famous off. That's not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in that hospitality mode of like, oh, you're in my house now, bitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because generally there's always a story about some fucking asshole who's like too big for his britches or whatever. Like I'm sure yeah. you serve plenty of those people. It's good to it wasn't any famous people. You, yeah, um, it was like those people tend to be the the famous people's agents. Ah. Uh, Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. you don't get a paycheck if they don't work. So I don't know why you're being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, well, you don't get a paycheck unless I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, unless you what, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't sell me any of the alcohol and you're not making me drink. So I don't really care. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about the transition from, okay. So you've been serving for so long. And at some point you're just like, you want to get behind the bar. Like this, yeah. this is something you're striving for. Like, how did it happen and who gave you the shot? Um, 
I, I was behind the bar at Outback because they needed people and I had already had some experience. So I, you know, I got to learn all of the lovely, how much shitty sugary syrup goes into what really ridiculously named cocktail. Um, if you can call it, I, you know, cocktail air quotes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's coming out of a slushy machine. Can be delicious, <laughs> but it wasn't at Outback. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so I finally was like, I, you know, what I want to do is use ingredients that will keep less than two months because like, right. <laughs> this is really, really kind of gross. Um, and so I found the position that was opening in Pasadena and went out there and I was like, I'll, you know, I'll drive a little extra and, and gain some more experience. And they were more of a classic cocktail bar, which is what I like to drink. So it's what I knew mm. about. Um, and, and met, uh, the man, the bar manager at the time there and she gave me a shot and cause we got along and it was fine. And she's like, yeah, if you suck, it's fine. Cause of the turnover, she'll find, you know, <laughs> yeah. fix other people behind uh, me. So oh, that's actually a good question. Like, is, is it almost easier to get employment in, in that type of situation? Cause the turnover is so crazy all over it, the place. It can't, it can be. Yeah. yeah. And, and because the number of places that you can go and put your resume in, like right. it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Like you can narrow it down to, I would like to work at, you know, a sushi bar and you've got 35 places you can go drop your spot, you know, resume off crazy. to in yeah. 20 miles. So, yeah. um, Yeah. But people tend to try and stick closer to where their neighborhood is because it's Los Angeles and traffic is, you know, a whole yeah. other and everything's so living fucking, here. <laughs> and everything's so spread out. That it's yeah, like, and everything's and so a, spread out. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the public transportation is not great there either. No, not unless, not unless you're like next to, uh, uh, you know, a train station that is going to somewhere you want to go to like mm. i lived in the valley and there are trains and plenty of trains in pasadena but i would have to take a 20 minute train ride down to downtown los angeles to then go across the other way because there was no connector Jesus. from the direction i was going wow. so yeah i was like well i'll take the the 20 minute car ride instead so you get this shot behind the bar and you're like and someone took, takes a chance on you and now you're gaining experience you're it's it's it most, mostly like classic cocktails yeah, a lot yeah. of lot of classic cocktails, and um, I learned quickly that the I learned quickly not to be intimidated by the people that you were working around, even if you didn't know as much. Um, because, well, a I'm a person that's kind of education forward. Like, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to go look it up, um, and then have the answer from there on out, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I know not everyone is like that, but. I also was able to, you know, work with some really nice people that were like, hey, here's the reason that X, Y, Z. Um, and I and the person that was in charge of the bar program at that particular restaurant was in charge of that program and like seven other restaurants between uh, Southern California and Arizona. Oh, wow. And then as soon as I realized that one of the drinks that was on our menu came from the back of a liquor bottle, I was like, oh, fuck off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I'm not going to take anything you say seriously because oh. how are you in this position? Yeah, to... yeah. Um, and that yeah, probably happens more, that, that happens more in this industry than people talk about, frankly. Mm -hmm. Like people who are underqualified to, like I, I, in, in my own experience, I've been in positions where I'm like, I'm not quite qualified for what I'm doing right now. So I better yeah. st start fucking boning up, you know? But then or, some people. Or you just, you know, take on more restaurants and don't do anything. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, okay, so you are learning, though, on your own. Yeah. So I had so a good, I was... good that you're a go getter that way. So you're starting to learn classic cocktails, what have you. And. Mm -hmm. Like you're out of the slush zone from Outback. You're now making yeah. more like your Manhattans, your old fashions, your martinis and learning how to make them properly. Was yeah. that uh, now is that like it sounds like you're you're very much the type of person who's just going to like if if there's something you don't know, you just go find it out. But um, was it an eye opening learning experience in any other way or? Um, I mean, it was an eye opening experience in like how uh, how much waste was being made. <laughs> honestly uh, and so like when i when i moved past that trying to figure out uh way and this is a big topic for you know now um and i'm definitely not an expert 
as much as I would like to be, but um, of how to how to like make your pars so that you're not throwing away a bunch of stuff or like how to use your leftover citrus for other things that are, you can use in your bar. Um, and none of these things were being talked about. Um, and we had bottles and bottles and bottles of just stuff on our back bar that nobody knew about, nobody used, nobody tried or touched or whatever. And I was like, um, so I got to the point of coming up with other cocktails. It was like, look, we've got, you know, I also a very organized person. So anytime that I had to go pull wine or liquor from where we needed to get it from, and it was a disaster, I was like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to clock out, but I'm going to transfer because, uh, transfer my bar over to the next, uh, the next shift and then come back here and reorganize this because I can't handle it. Right. A lot of, so a lot of my stuff comes from my own OCD. Okay. So yeah. So nobody, nobody really kind of taught you that you didn't like, did you, where did you gain that knowledge? Because like as a bar owner now, like my giant, my most major focus is cross-pollinization of everything. Like if we can use something mm-hmm. in the, like in the kitchen, can we use it in the bar? Like, you know, yeah. like, and so we're not like, and just what you're talking about, no waste ever. Like, yeah. that's like oh, there's always going to be waste, obviously, but like sure. trying to keep that to the smallest amount possible. Whereas like when I was growing up in the industry, I didn't give a fuck about that. I was, just, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, I found it really interesting that we, that the the place in Pasadena was using all these fresh ingredients. They were going to the, the farmer's market to make, you know, new specials or new this or new that. And I was like, why aren't, why aren't we doing something as a team with the bar? Like um, in this particular place, the kitchen was centralized and there was a service bar just for the tables. Um, the bar that I was in, which is at the end, had its own tables. We were on like our own little island. Um, and then there was another third bar that was connected, but had a slightly separate kitchen. Mm. And so I'm like, there are three places that we can shift ingredients and like, yeah. And make sure that we're not throwing things away or doing whatever. And so I started talking to the chefs on the line. Um, also because I was like, Hey, if you have anything extra, if you want to, if you, you know, if something is about to turn and you want to be able to utilize it somewhere, like, let me know. I can see if I can come up with something delicious and we can sell it off as a special. Because at that point, like, you're making money as opposed to just losing all of this produce or whatever that's going to be thrown away and that you already bought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started talking to the chefs and I would start coming up with cocktails and then have them taste them because, A, their palates are usually better than... General server Joe Schmo, and B (laughs) because I was still because I have a specific palette and a specific thing that I like, but that doesn't mean that's going to be applicable to everybody. Mm. Um, So that yeah, I think it was more just um, being friends with people and staying in the place long enough that I was like, hey, give me your stuff, let me do something. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) Without having to, you know. I really like that you said that because I think that like. Bar like and bar and of course craft bartenders like no, like uh, I mean I'm not saying trying to say anything except for the fact that like if you've just been behind the bar the whole time you might not have the same or just at the front of the house you might have the same palate as someone who's gone to chef school and cooks for a living like that's just normally palates develop over time we all know that right so mm-hmm. you saying that you would like go to the back of house staff and say, taste this and give me feedback. What could I add? What could I remove? Like what, what I, what I consider this is, is egoless. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's too much ego behind the bar sometimes. And there is in the back of the house as well. Don't get sure. me wrong. But yeah. like, yeah, yeah. but uh, like it's not, it seems like you're the kind of person who's just like, I'm open to suggestion. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and it's a good way to learn, even if somebody's, you know, ha- that has the ego is like, oh, how, how dare you put, you know, these two ingredients together? That's, <laughs> that's atrocious, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, well, I, I thought it was fine. And also as, you know, a person that's worked as far as like paycheck to paycheck, like you make friends with the people in the back of the house because they're the ones that can give you shit. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there were a few yeah. nights that yeah. I I had dinner because the people in the back of the house liked me, not because right. I could afford it. Um. Right. No, but that is a good. It's I think more people, more people in the front of the house should be doing that. Like the the people in the back of the house, this they taste food for a living. 
They, mm-hmm. they combine flavors for a living, just like we do in the front of the house when you're craft bartending. But there's, I mean, they just, like, there isn't, a, a, to my knowledge, a bartending school that teaches you how to marry flavors and develop your palate. No, not that, not that I'm aware of. No, um, they teach you how to make a martini. Yeah. <laughs> Here are your specs for your margarita and move on. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that, I mean, that's why I like working where I do now. It was always also really fun for me to watch people in the back of the house argue about my drinks. <laughs> like, man, it's more this. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think if, uh, you know, like, I'm like, great, okay. I'm onto something because you both like, like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's just fine. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I want to talk to a little bit about your love for whiskey and how, like, were you always into whiskey? How'd you get into whiskey? What do you love about it? I was always into whiskey. I always enjoyed whiskey. My first like go-to drink, like any, you know, good uh, white girl was a vodka cranberry, but, um, <laughs> but po- post, you know, that and, and starting to drink whiskey, even in like the intro of like your, you know, Jack and Cokes or whatever you're drinking. I'll, I'll put in air quotes, totally in college, not definitely of the legal age. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's something I was always interested in for me. Vodka, you can make and sell really quickly. So like something that I've appreciated about whiskey is something that it takes time and it requires a certain amount of science and skill level. Once, once the more I learned about distilling and the more I have distilled some on my own and not specifically on my own my, with my husband, but like the more that I can like taste other things and appreciate like, oh shit, like that, that you know, not only has that aged for like half of my life, um, but like, (laughs) yeah, it's crazy to think about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm particular, I'm particularly interested in, um, American whiskey Mm. mostly because it doesn't take as long to age. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To get the same kind of developed flavors. Definitely a a bonus for American whiskey, especially bourbon. Like, you know, what is it? Bourbon is three years in white, uh, oak cast. Yeah. yeah. Neutral American so, oak. Yeah. yeah. Tell me some of your favorites because I used to own a whiskey bar and I, like, I love American whiskey. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just interested to see if we're on the same page of the shit we like. I was like, no, I feel like I, I want to hear yours first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My show. No. <laughs> Note to self, get a podcast. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. Everyone's got one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I was trying to answer this question. Um, I was teaching a cocktail class for a, a company online because, you know, of COVID, COVID times, you got to figure out how yep. to. We're all doing online together, classes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And someone was like, oh, what's your favorite whiskey? And it was like, I, my first response is like, what's the price range? Yeah, like- <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. But the beauty of American whiskey is there's so much good shit that's very cheap. Yeah. Like I'll take four roses, yellow label. Oh, any yeah. day, any and day. It's not even and, yellow label anymore. It's so sad. I know it's not even yellow label, <laughs> but I still call it that. But yeah, uh, of course. But like uh, that, that I think it's a table whiskey for sure. But like yeah. that stands up to almost any whiskey you're gonna want to try, and it's like what, like in Canada, even it's like thirty dollars. So yeah, hmm. um, so I was it's like hard to find now. I know. Oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> there's always these droughts for four roses in Canada. Like it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, Four Roses is great. I mean, most of the American whiskey I drink is out of Kentucky, but Heaven Hill Larceny is a really yeah, good go-to for me. It's a little bit higher in proof, and it's, you know, I don't feel bad about throwing in some ginger ale or ginger beer or whatever. Sure, like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm actually a big fan of Wild Turkey 101 with a little bit more high rye. It's got that mm. spice to it. Um, I, like, it I, really little, like, I really like the Wild Turkey Long Branch. Yeah. That's... I can get down with that one anytime. That's it's smooth. <laughs> yeah, it's really smooth. Yeah, like if you want something spicy, I really I like you're talking about Heaven Hill. I really like going with the Written House. Mm-hmm. Oh, so also good. like a it's I think eighteen dollars here. Like, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I, I put eighteen dollars a shot here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so the one oh, like the one I always talk about that's very reasonably priced in the U.S. is Angel's Envy. Yeah, it's oh my god, it's so fucking good. Yeah, I'm I'm partial to their rye over their bourbon, but yeah. um yeah, just the the port casks to me and it's, it's something I don't 
always care for in wine either. Like is like a heavier raisin quality to it. Mm. I really like it in rum, but for some reason with whiskey, it just it it throws me off. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But their rye is that little bit of spice with that like Caribbean oak finish, that Caribbean mm, rum finish. So, so you get these like fruity papaya yeah. type quality to it. Yeah. And also for the price is kind of kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, the Angel's Envy is so reasonably priced and like I yeah. drink that anytime. The bourbon they're also, the, as far as the family goes, like yeah, uh, they're doing they, okay. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> between, doing just fine. Between Woodford and then now Angel's Envy, they're yeah, like, I feel yeah. like every member, you know, generation of that family is going to have their own whiskey line. <laughs> yeah, and keep them coming, honestly. And that's fine. That's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> What's your favorite like high-end American whiskey? Like if you're going to, pay like say $80 a bottle or something. I I mean, I guess this is where I say I'm probably kind of cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Blanton's single barrel is a is uh, always a really nice one. It's probably yes. a little bit more than 80, but I was going to say Eagle Rare, but that's not even that's like 50. So uh, that's higher end at least. So that's yeah. Eagle Eagle Rare, Blanton's so that mm-hmm. you're you're speaking my language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that yeah, yeah. uh Buffalo Trace Distillery, pretty much yeah. anything that comes out of there. Really? They're, Buffalo Trace, just the standalone Buffalo Trace product is so, so good. good. So oh, good. Yeah. We used to have it one of the places I worked, we had it as a well. And so it would fly because it was like five dollar five dollar old fashions, and that's what we were using. I was like and trying to tell all my friends to come in and they of course never visited me. I was like, Well, your fault. Um, <laughs> that, that's what I use at the well in my bar, actually. Yeah. yeah, oh, it's, yeah. So it's so good. So yeah. good. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about just as we're kind of wrapping up here, I want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how you moved into competitive bartending, what gave you the idea that you wanted to do it, and how did you find the experience? So starting in that place, Pasadena, I was making, you know, coming up with my own cocktails. And like you read enough about classic cocktails and you're like, oh, there's a formula. And then once you've once you kind of get that down, you can figure out the balance and add your own spin to things and, you know, your classic riff of mm. whatever it is you're trying to play with. And so I had that experience, which actually helped me get the, I opened APL as a bartender and then worked my way up through a series of coincidences of people leaving and people being promoted and what have you um, <laughs> to to being bar manager. And I think through that and starting to actually develop cocktails for a menu, helped me realize that I I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't really put a whole lot of stock in it other than be like, because my my main goal to make stuff and like, you know, try and sell it for that week or whatever was like, does it taste good? Yay. I made somebody happy. Yeah. And then <laughs> kind of move on. And and it didn't really dawn on me until like I saw repeatedly that people were enjoying the enjoying my drinks. And I was like, oh I, maybe I'm maybe I'm pretty good at this. And my Brother's wife has competed in a bunch of cocktail competitions is a huge like person of that in Florida. And she kept being like, you should do this. You should do this. And I had friends in the industry that are like, why aren't you doing any of this? Like we're winning money or doing these things or winning trips and whatever. And I was like, oh, well, shit. Okay. Um, (laughs) It just, it never, it never really dawned on me. And so I entered uh, on a whim, entered the Bacardi legacy competition and got got they're like you're top 36 i was like oh that's great cool they're like now you're top 16 i was like oh that's great they're like you're going to puerto rico i'm like oh shit that's that's great (laughs) (laughs) just got real (laughs) oh okay yeah um i was like oh these are these trips people keep telling me about yeah yeah um (laughs) yeah and so i've done i haven't done a whole lot of them i've done a handful of them but it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing honestly to to Mm. be competitive as a bartender because it's you know, it's storytelling plus yeah. schmoozing of like, no, you're, I swear, your, your brand is the only brand I drink. And you're like, right. no, it's not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Especially when you're talking about Bacardi. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even like any of the whiskey competitions and stuff, I'm like, no, don't scroll too far back in my Instagram then. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's the thing. It's kind of, um, we've had a lot of uh, people on the show who have done these competitions and, like so many people are just love it because of the experience and the people you meet. I think that yeah. tends to be the big part of it. But we've also had people on who just recently that uh, was kind of just like they're kind of bullshit, you know. And like so, I, I kind of see both sides. I've never done yeah. it myself. I'm not qualified, but um, 
but I certainly have. A, if I if I am, I'm pretty sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, maybe ten years ago. <laughs> but I, the funny the thing is, like I've been, I've shifted over to the ownership side, uh, mm-hmm. so I've been there for so long that like, I feel like my skills have just, like, like they're just dusty. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's I mean? an interesting it's an interesting like kind of dichotomy of of. Like, yeah, on the one hand, you get this community and you get this like, oh, all of these people, even like they're, you know, because Legacy was a nation, whatever, like a North American competition. So like we, I had met a bunch of people from Canada that like I, you know, still in touch with. And you get this sense of like, oh, this community can be much smaller in like this general world mm-hmm. view of things like, oh, cool. If I ever go to Toronto or where, you know, anywhere else. I'm like, yeah. great. I have a bar to visit and I have a friendly face to go see. Mm. And so that part of it is really great. And then there's also the part of like, you've done talk, I'm talking to some people that do these all the time of like, you've done this particular competition six times. Why? Why? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, that's a very good question. I always wonder. Like you're too, going like, to what? the same distillery. You're getting the same yeah. tour. You're drinking the same thing. Like, and is it just it's like great, but like why? That's the competitive side of it, though, right? Like, oh, but I haven't won yet, or yeah. like, you know, whereas opposed, like, when I'm getting closer, I'm zoned in on this one. Whereas, yeah. like, I think if I was ever going to do it, and I don't know how you like how you view it, but I would be like, well, let's do multiple different ones. Like, I'm never going to do the same one twice. Type thing yeah. would be the kind of way I would like approach it. I don't know. Puerto Rico is nice. It's nice to be able to go there yeah, for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our fr- our Frank, our, one of our best friends got married in Puerto Rico. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty good time. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. The parts we remember were great. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, Laura, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. This is yeah, hilarious. Absolutely. You're awesome. Uh, and I hope that uh, things get up and running again at your restaurant and you get to not just be doing takeout and serving fucking your eight tables outside and yeah. everything gets back to normal for all of us but thank you very much for doing yeah. this thank you for having me it was a lot of fun